the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, it's Matt Browning. Welcome back to the pod. I love being here, and I am really, really excited about what's happening this week. Now, I realize that I say I'm really excited every single week, and that's because, crazy as it sounds, I actually literally, genuinely have been excited every single week. Um, life and business has really taken off, and it's getting quite busy. So if you are listening to me right now, and you're a good friend of mine, and you're like, man, where have you been? I'm so sorry. I promise you, I will surface. It's going to be a few months, probably not till the holidays, when things are going to slow down a little bit. Um, to give you an idea, uh, I just, I'm recording this on Monday night. I just got to my hotel room in Tucson, Arizona. My wife, Lola, and I uh, took her car out for a three-day road trip to Michigan to go house hunting. Pretty cool week. So we left on Tuesday last week, drove across the country for three days. So if you follow me on Facebook, at Matt Browning, uh, or you know you find my, my page, my profile there, you'll see some of the pictures and posts and things we're putting up of the trip. It was a ton of fun, but we finally landed out there, and yeah, we got there like Friday, I think at 12.30 at night. We wanted to bring her car out first, and then we were flying back home, and we went out Saturday house hunting, so uh, if you didn't hear the news, we are moving to Michigan this summer, 2018, and we need to find a place to stay. So rather than trying to find you know a place to stay for a little bit and then you know look for the house later, we thought, why don't we just go out a month and a half early? and see if we can find a place. Well, God is good as he always is, and we looked and looked uh, for just honestly two or three hours, and we everything we saw, we're like, no, 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 no. But one place was really cool. It was awesome. I'll get some pictures online at some point pretty soon. And we just thought, this place is great. So at the end of that night, we prayed about it. Woke up in the morning. I had a blessing and honor. I got to preach, uh, bring a message to the Grand Rapids campus, that is going to be going up at the Point Church podcast. So if you go to thepointchurch.com uh, and you look at messages, probably, not right away, but probably in the next week or two, I would assume um, it would show up there. So that's it was really fun. It was the first time I've ever been able to, to share a message at the main campus of our church, so that was a blast. And so I did that Sunday morning. Then we went back and looked at the first house again, and we eventually decided this is it. So we put in an offer that day, and they accepted it. The seller accepted, and by around midnight on Sunday, we are officially in, or under contract, I guess we would call it in Michigan. There's no escrow companies out there, so I was going to say we're in escrow. We're not, but we are under contract, and shoot, we're closing in the middle of August, and then we're moving our happy butts out there uh, to live. So we finished that, and I went into the office to... um, to work on a few things on Monday, and then uh, flew right out to Tucson. I just got here in my hotel room, and I'm going on uh, TV on ABC Tucson, a, a show called The Morning Blend tomorrow morning. So that is a really exciting thing, honestly, because I've never been on TV before, and now's the time. So I know you might think this is crazy. I've been doing, I'm, I'm a live event guy. I've been traveling, speaking, uh, thousands and thousands of people, hundreds and hundreds of, of probably thousands of live events by now 
So that's been my world, but now I'm branching into between this podcast and, be, and between some of this TV stuff. This is my first of nine booked appearances I have for my book tour coming out. So without any further ado, we'll get into what you came into for came to the podcast this week for, which is to talk about. I want to give you some insights into this Firebox Principle book. So over the last few weeks, if, if this is your first episode, by the way, thank you for downloading, subscribing. Uh, and listening. Uh, it's amazing and awesome that you would do such a thing. And I hope that this uh, in turn blesses you and gives you exactly what you're looking for out of something like this. This podcast is designed to teach, but also we have fun while we're doing it. Uh, but I, I want I want it to be kind of a journey that we, we get to go on together, you know, that um, you know, whether it's in the car, or working out or going to sleep, I like to listen to podcasts as I fall asleep. I know it sounds crazy, but I do that. Uh, wherever you're you're watching or listening or consuming this, um, I, I hope that we get to just kind of build a relationship over time. And that's why in the opens and stuff, you know, I'd like to talk about what's going on in my life, with my family, um, and that kind of thing. Um, but, of course, I also want to make sure that you're getting out some good nuggets and some wisdom from this thing. So in the previous few episodes, I've been talking about a lot. Of course, we've been working on the launch of the, my new book, The Firebox Principle, The Seven Drives of Fuel Every Entrepreneur. And in that book, um, during the lead up to the book, I've talked about it. I talked about the origin story of the book, and I promised that I would start getting into some of these actual seven drives. We also had a great interview with Larry Broughton on. So go back in the archives. You can go to mattbrowningpodcast.com if you haven't already. Or, of course, if you're already subscribed on, on iTunes or whatever, you can just uh, go back in the history and find Larry Broughton. He wrote the foreword for the book. He's a uh, U.S. Army Special Forces veteran and an amazing, amazing entrepreneur with uh, dozens of boutique hotels that he owns in the Broughton Hotel Group. So uh, really just phenomenal dude. He's become a pretty close friend over the years. So I asked him if he would write the foreword. He said yes. So I interviewed him as well. So I put that in there in the last couple of weeks. And then we just dropped an episode last week with uh, a four-time Olympian, Ruben Gonzalez. And Ruben was kind enough to write an endorsement for the book as well. He liked it, which is cool. He, he wrote four books as well uh, for himself. Um, so he, and, and that was a really fun interview too. So make sure you go back and listen if you haven't already, you know, definitely queue it up or save it in your favorites. Uh, we have some fun with, uh, with Ruben. It's a great conversation. So this week I want to get into a couple of the drives and, and really do it as quickly as possible. So what I decided is, uh, the ebook is going to be released very quickly. In fact, as you're listening the, to this, this episode drops on Tuesday, the book should be available for pre-release on Amazon literally any day now. It might be as soon as Wednesday or Thursday, uh, Friday, and we're shooting to have an official release uh, on Saturday. And so I'll tell you more about that at the end. Uh, so in the meantime, the next couple episodes, we're just going to get into some of the drives and tell you some stories and, and tell you how they work. So earlier, uh, again, in, in previous episodes, I talked about the reason why you want to, why, why you need to know this. And it's really about if you're a leader, a visionary, a starter, a founder, uh, an entrepreneur, a coach, an author, an expert, a blogger, a podcaster, uh, whatever it is you're doing, if you are in love with the thing you're doing, if you are just on it and at it, if you are taking ground in your life and in your business, this book is for you. Because what it's going to do is it'll give you a great eye into and under the surface, under the hood, as to what's been driving you to create the ripples that you've been creating, right? To make the waves you've been making. 
So of the seven drives, a couple of them I find pretty fascinating. The first one is the significance drive. And the significance drive is really, again, these are drives that are, it's an undertone. It's under the surface. Like if I said, hey, why did you start your business? Someone with the significance drive probably wouldn't say, I started it to be important, of course. They're not going to say that because that's not how we think. And that's certainly not a conscious thing. But under the surface, when you look at someone's origin story, you can really figure out, I wonder if there's another drive. I wonder if this is a person maybe didn't feel very significant. And by creating this venture and growing it or scaling it, they really began to feel more important in life. So we talked a lot about the different, uh, the different people. In fact, in each one of these, uh, each one of the drives, I bring up some stories about different people. And don't worry, I didn't leave myself out either. In fact, for the significance drive, uh, my very first story is about me uh, growing up and, and kind of feeling lost. And when I found myself in the mortgage business early on with my first boss, Ed, and his brother, Joe, I, I had the chance to really become somebody. And, that's, and it felt really good. And I talked about it in the book. I said it felt really good to get recognized and finally, quote, unquote, make it. You know, when I, when I went from very little money to making a lot, and, and, and mostly I loved having a significant role in the business, if I'm honest. After about three years, I went from, you know, just kind of working there to really helping to run things and, you know, being like an office manager or whatever you want to call it. I, I was kind of the second guy, you know, at, at one point I would say, and you'd have to ask Ed, but I, I think at one point I was probably kind of, yeah, kind of the second um, next to him helping to do things. And I was, a, I was a young kid, but I got it and, and, and I understood what was happening as much as I possibly could. And, and it was exciting, you know, it was exciting to, to feel that, that, that strong. Now, what's interesting is there, there's always a lot of people that, that have started like that. So I'll talk about a couple of stories real quick. So the first one is Rupert Murdoch and Rupert Murdoch, you know, it was 1952 he was an Australian, if you didn't know, Rupert Murdoch, who started the news group and, and one of the, the largest media conglomerates in the world right now. He was attending Oxford University in England, and he came from privilege. So his, his family was very well respected. His mother and father immigrated to Australia years before. Um, they were, you know, a, a great social circles in the British Commonwealth. They had a, a new home in Melbourne. The Australians call it Melbourne. It's not Melbourne, but Melbourne, of course, because the R's get dropped. The Murdoch family uh, had expanded when Rupert's father, Keith, became a famous war correspondent for the British government. So his father's work, his wartime work in media, expanded into newspaper publishing, and eventually the Murdoch family had significant enterprise down under. They were, I mean, they were really starting to make things happen. Um... His father held the title of Sir, which I didn't, I didn't know that before. His mother was Dame Elizabeth. Isn't that incredible? So he still goes off to college. Like, just think for a second. If your father was knighted with the title of Sir, like, th what does that do to you, right? Well, he was drinking a lot. He was chasing girls. He was being a college guy, I guess, in those days. And then he received news that his father died. And he left the newspaper business to Rupert, and he was only 21 years old. So he comes back to Australia, and he's trying to figure out what to do. There needed to be leadership, of course. And he really didn't know what was going to happen. But 
instead of passing the buck on and saying, hey, I don't want to take this over. I'll just take the inheritance, but I don't want the work. He decided he was going to change and, and come back. So he really wanted to prepare himself. So he went and interned in London to prepare him for working for his father's paper. He had huge shoes to fill. His dad was so well-known, so well-respected. And think about it. You're, you're in this company where, you know, here's the kid, right? Here's the, the, the owner's son coming in to say, I'm going to take things over. That's not going to be looked at well. Well, it took him about a year. And, you know, he studied as much as he could to understand what had to happen in the news. And at 22, he came back to Melbourne to run his father's company and prove that he had what it takes. And here's what's amazing. He, inter- he immersed himself in the news. And beyond proving himself acceptable, what he eventually did was extraordinary. He expanded his father's company much bigger than his father ever envisioned or, or ever did. He wanted to show he could build something. Here's where the significance drive comes in. Very often when somebody comes from the shadows of a larger figure. Now, it can also come from the opposite. Someone can grow up being uh, kind of beaten down emotionally or physically uh, or mentally, you know, believing you're worthless and that kind of thing. So that you drive to prove that, that you can be significant. Essentially, you can be important, right? You can be worthy. But the ones, so when I look at Rupert, it was the opposite, right? He had it all, but he was in the shadow of his father. So he wanted to come out and say, I'm just going to take over my father's business. I don't want it to be, you know, I I don't want to be just a second generation kid and then pass it to my kid and just be a chain and a link. No, no, no. I want to be the one that makes this mine. So he wanted to build something. So what he did is he made a whole new model of profitability in, in, in publishing. And he started expanding, which was didn't happen as often there, especially in the news world. But he started expanding uh, via acquisition deals. So he started buying up little papers. He bought up a paper in Adelaide. He bought up a paper in Sydney. And little by little, he began. And then he started buying larger ones. And eventually, you know, I mean, take a look at the news group today. They kept on uh, acquiring larger and larger companies. So eventually, you got um, 20th Century Fox, Fox News, the Wall Street Journal. TV guide. Um, he went to London, you know, all over Europe. He went to all over America. Like he started buying stuff up, and they have hundreds and hundreds of publications, news, basically media outlets. Whether it's TV, whether it's uh, media companies, or whether it's newspapers and magazines. Rupert is still helping to run the business. Of course, he's still involved in it. It's worth 15.7 billion dollars at this point. He has built a a global juggernaut of a media company. But if you look at the core of Rupert's motivation, you'll find the significance drive, right? And, and again, I want to be clear. What I mean is it's not about being conceited or having a big ego necessarily. It's about very often like with the significance drive, you have something to prove, you know? He was in his father's shadow. Um, you meet people. Like what's it like when you meet someone and someone goes, oh, I know your father. Oh, everything is about your father. Same thing happens in, um, in a relationship, right? When one spouse is like more famous or more well-known, it can be really, it can be a bigger challenge than you think to live in the shadow of the other person. Again, same thing with uh, older siblings, you know? I remember going to fourth grade and my brother John's reputation preceded me. So when I went and had the same teacher he had three years later for fourth grade, 
she was ready for a fight. <laughs> she was ready to to keep me in after for recess, and she was ready for me to be in trouble, just like my brother was. So I wouldn't even do anything, but she'd still be expecting trouble because I was a brawning. So I don't know if you've had that experience before, um, but it's not very fun. And it can lead someone to say, I don't want to be known for what my family did. I want to be known for me. So Rupert uh, had some of that same thing. And here's a few things that are, again, I find interesting about what, uh, what he did. So he was thrown into his father's position at an early age. Um, he was always compared to him. He had a huge reputation uh, that he, he was granted through his father. And there's a very long shadow that his father cast. So now he has to decide what to do. He has to decide how to do this. Um, and someone else that I actually went a little further back to, to look for this for the significance drive, it was Alexander Graham Bell. We're all pretty familiar with uh, with Alexander Graham Bell. Now, he was the father of telecommunication, right? Now, he came from a long line of great communicators and speech therapists. It's so interesting. So Alexander Graham Bell, the reason I put him in significance drive, I think you'll, you'll, you'll catch my drift as I go on with this. His mother always encouraged his talent on the piano. His father pushed him, his brother, uh, he and his brother both to innovate, to design new tools and contraptions that would help their family practice. So the family was known for helping people overcome stuttering right his parents were great at speech therapists so bell was always working on something but he wanted to do something significant something unique on his own to prove his worth to his father to his grandfather and to himself so after they moved to north america he designed the plans for the telephone and the cool thing is he went all in he didn't have the electrical training to accomplish it but the drive significance did not uh, appear out of thin air. Alexander Graham Bell wanted to contribute a greatness and he found the greatness inside himself. Why I believe he was really looking or he was he was growing this out of the significance drive is sometimes we can f have people or have an idol easy for me to say an ideology uh, around us that make us feel unworthy or make us feel not valuable, make us feel not enough just because maybe someone else already is. And we sometimes will start growing up having the urge to prove them wrong. The urge to prove them wrong. So I'm going to come back to Alexander Graham Bell in just a little bit um, because, well, you know what, let me talk about it now. So, so name changes. Name changes is one of the most fascinating things I ran across. I didn't expect this. I certainly didn't like write it when it came, you know, when I started working on the book. But as I'm researching these people that I see their their drive uh, insignificance, one thing was very common with all of them. They had name changes. So let's look here. Alexander Graham Bell. He was named after his father and after his grandfather, Alexander Bell. Graham was not even part of his given name. He gave himself the name Graham, get this, at age 11 to stand out. Amazing. Age 11, he said, I'm going to be Alexander Graham Bell. I'm going to be unique. I don't want to be the third generation. Rupert Murdoch did something very similar. He was named after his father. His father was Keith Murdoch at birth. But after a while, he chose to go by Rupert, which was his middle name. Now, he didn't add a name. He was Keith Rupert Murdoch. 
but he decided he was going to go by Rupert because his father was known as Keith. So he wanted to get to stand out. And the third person I talk about in the Significance Drive is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Vince McMahon, the uh, the how should I say the the mogul, the mogul of professional wrestling or sports entertainment, and he took over a business from his father, Vince McMahon Sr. Now McMahon actually changed his name as well, right? He uh, he did not want to be so. Some people will call him Vince Sr. He did not want to go by Vince Sr. Vince McMahon was named after his father, right? Um, and he was actually known as Vince Lupton for the first part of his life. Later, he took on his biological father's name, which was Vince. And and it's interesting. It's that's it, very consistent with the actions of someone who wants to, who desires to be closer to their father. If somebody wants to be closer to their father, but but doesn't f- grow up that way, they'll say it doesn't mean anything. It's not that big of a deal. But they'll they want to they often will take on uh, their father's name. So Vince despises being called Junior. So when he really started blowing up the WWE in the wrestling business, and he fully took over and started acquiring, just like Rupert Murdoch, he went around in the territory days, and he, he acquired these different domestic wrestling promotion territories. One by one, started buying them up. And they went out of business if they wouldn't sell. Um, I don't believe he was putting them out of business. He offered to buy them all, but some people thought, no, no, I'm not going to sell. And he said, okay, but he went national, and all of his competition was trying to stay local. So eventually, everybody had the WWE product, but the small Texas promotion or the the Mid-Atlantic or Mid-South or Florida or wherever it was, they were all local and smaller, and they just couldn't compete. Once he started growing bigger, Vince started using his middle name as well. So instead of saying Vince Sr., who was his father who owned the business, and now we're referring to Vince Jr. He hated Jr., so he wants to be called Vincent Kennedy McMahon. That's how you differentiate him. All right, that's my name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. It's not Jr., dang it. He wouldn't say dang it, though. But anyway, that, that was a little bit about Vince. Sometimes the high standards set by people around us motivate us to accomplish things we would never accomplish on our own. Sometimes we're undervalued or overlooked. It leads to an awareness within ourselves that we can establish our own path and define our own success. So each of the examples I was talking about, um, they made significant geographical moves. Isn't that interesting? Location changes. McMahon went outside of his territory, national and beyond. Now he's global, of course. Rupert Murdoch expanded internationally, right, from Melbourne to Adelaide to all the way across Australia and all the way across the world. And Bell, his family starts over in the U.S., it always speaks to the strong desire to make one's own way. So if you recognize the significance drive within yourself at any point, here's what you do. Number one, don't be self-conscious. And don't try to replace it with something that sounds better. You know, don't think, oh, that sounds like me, but I really want to be a contribution drive or a spiritual drive or a whatever. The reality is if this is, if, if you got something to prove, if you were held back or you were living in a shadow of something great, and if maybe that was part of your story, what I tell you is embrace it. Own it. If you have something to prove, make it your mission. Right? Share it with your team. Say, hey, you know what? I grew up this way, and I got something to prove, and I want, I want the world to know that I can do this. Nothing wrong with that. We're in this funny, funky world in 2018 as I'm recording this, and that's, of course, the year the book's coming out. In 2018, it's almost like it's it's faux pas 
to say, hey, I want a statue in the square. You know, I want to be remembered. I want a legacy. I, oh, I, I want to do this because I do want to be a, a significant person and a significant part of history. So I believe it's okay. In fact, I don't care what the motivation is. As long as great stuff happens, as long as innovations are created, people are helped, better products are engineered, problems are solved, right? Like that's enterprise, that's entrepreneurship. And as long as it's happening, I don't care if the helping the whales is what motivated you or having a bunch of money is what motivated you or in this case, feeling significant and worthy is what motivated you. The important thing is you're motivated and you're moving and you want to make something happen. So go out there and make something happen. That's the whole point of this book and the whole point of the podcast. The world is waiting for you. You have something you're working on. Get out there and do it. Get out there and use it. Don't stop and let people know. Let people know that if you have a story about being held down or a story about being in the shadow of someone great, bring that to people. Your clients, your customers, your team, they'll love to hear the story of how you came to be. Nothing is better than a good story. So share the story about that. Now, I've mentioned a few times as I wrap this episode here um, that I've also I'm working on the Firebox quiz. The quiz isn't ready as of right now. But I, I'm looking at trying to get the quiz to co-align with the hardback release later in August. So in about a month to a month and a half, we should have the quiz ready and up online at fireboxbook.com. You can go there and you can go there now to get on the list. And as soon as we get the pre-release ready, you will get uh, notified. And you can get the pre-release ebook on Amazon. We have a special, special price. It is crazy, it is absurd, but for the week of the release, it's going to be 99 cents for the ebook on Amazon. And after that, you can still, of course, get the hardcover the week later, and we're going to do a book tour for that. So be on the lookout for all that fun stuff. Catch me on Facebook, at Matt Browning. Love to see you there. I'm also, of course, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, at Matt Browning. Really easy to find me. If you haven't already and you wouldn't mind doing this, it'll take you about 30 seconds, but it'll change my life. Head to iTunes uh, or on your podcast app if you're on an iPhone. Just hit the, the app you're listening to this right now on and give us a, a stars, however many stars you want. I'm good with. You just pick your stars, and but leave me a review, even a negative review, a neutral review, or a positive review. I don't really care. I want to know how you feel, but leaving reviews really helps to get the podcast more well-known, so I sure appreciate that, and I will catch you next time. Uh, in just a few days later in the week, and we'll get into one of the other drives. That's it for me. Have an awesome day.